Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. I love that look at the end. Like every wife in the room is like, yep, I've given that look before. That's great. Hey, uh, my name is Jeff. I lead our groups team uh, here at Lakeland. It's great to be with you. Wow. Uh, we have had, if you haven't heard, an exciting 10 to 11 days uh, here in America and what God is up to. And if you haven't heard about that, man, I can't wait to share it with you. Uh, but I also, I, I say that because I need to say this, like it, over the last several hours as I've been getting ready for uh, today's message, God just moved in a powerful way in my life to say like, don't say that, say this. Don't say that, say this. Don't say that. And so buckle up. Here we go. This is going to be fun. Uh, I'm glad you're here. Um, if you haven't heard, yes, God is at work in a really unique way. There are these moments in history, in time, that uh, God's Spirit moves in a special way. Some would say that it's poured out or it falls in a special way. And for all the times that our hearts have hungered for this, for all the times that we think, ah, oh, that'll never happen again, it's happening right now. It's happening right now. And um, I believe that you are going to leave this room encouraged, propelled, ready to take on something big. And it's just only fitting that we are talking about boldness today. Uh, we're talking about boldness in the, in the faith experiment. And so uh, I'm excited about that. But um, before we get going too far, I got to pray. Uh, let's pray together. Um, and here, here's the simple prayer that I want to lead us in. This is a prayer you can take with you. It's so simple. And it sounds like this. It's, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You know what's better than one person saying that in a room is a bunch of people saying it in the room. So can we say that together? Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Yeah. You could even pray silently for the people around you. Holy Spirit, come. It's that simple. Holy Spirit, come. God, we didn't come just to sit in a room together. We didn't come just to have some spiritual conversation. We came to experience you. And so Holy Spirit, come. Send us into our week with you as wind in our sails. We love you and we trust you with today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. As we talk about boldness, I have a question for you. Have you ever experienced a season of boldness in your life? And boldness can look like a lot of different things. As you know, boldness could be boldness in relationships. Like, man, I just, I felt like I needed to make some changes. And man, I stepped into it in a big way. Uh, it could be boldness in business or leadership where you're just like, man, I had this big risk right ahead of me and I went for it. And it took a, a lot of boldness. There were a lot of unknowns, all those sorts of things. It could be in adventures. Man, I did something I have never done before and it was a blast. I can think of many times uh, growing up, sports was huge uh, in our family. Many things were important, but like baseball was most important. Like that was my life growing up. And uh, I can remember, and I only remember seasons of boldness because I remember seasons of drought. Uh, like there were just some seasons where I'm like, man, I can't do anything right. I can't hit a thing. 
Like, they, just, uh, they all just send me to the bench. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, but I can remember this one season. There was a season after my freshman year where I had, I had played freshman high school ball. And I don't know why they did this, but the city I grew up in, they let 15-year-old freshmen that just finished in the spring with high school ball play in Little League again. Uh, so 15-year-olds were now playing 11 to 14-year-olds. Uh, and I was like, this is a recipe for boldness. Uh, this is going to be amazing. I don't know why they called it Little League. They should have just called it Home Run Derby. Because uh, that's pretty much what it was. It wasn't like if it was going over the fence. It was like, how far is it going to go over the fence? But I can just remember the season of boldness that I did things uh, in baseball that I've never done before. I was stealing more bases. I was throwing out more guys. I was doing all. And I could see not just in baseball, but like, like even just exercising boldness all of a sudden started spilling into other areas of my life. It started actually spilling into my area of, of my life of calling Jesus the Lord of my life and giving Jesus all of my life. And what do you know? Boldness exercise uh, begins to spill over into other areas. And I know that, that we know boldness when we see boldness. We know boldness when we're experiencing it. It's energizing. It's contagious. It's just plain fun boldness. But as you know, and I know this too, uh, there's a boldness about in our world uh, that is the furthest thing from the heart of God. There's a boldness that's all about getting people's faces, blast you on social media, don't tell me what to do. Anyone need more of that in their life? Anyone? I don't. Um, and I think it's this opportunity for us to really lock into what does God have to say about boldness? How would God flip the script on boldness so that you and I can walk in it uh, this week? And so uh, that's what we're getting into in the faith experiment, and I'm really excited about it. And I just think there's so much wind in the sails for us to, uh, to run after this. And today I want to take us to the book of Acts. Fitting uh, that we're in the book of Acts, not just with what's been going on the last 10 or 11 days um, in our country with revival, um, but also because uh, this, uh, these are highlights of the church, the early church, and why it became a movement. If you want to find boldness, you turn to the book of Acts. You see it over and over, and here's what you see. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And for anyone in the room that's like, man, I want more of that in my life, how do I unlock more of that? I believe it comes back to a biblical understanding of boldness and where it comes from, how we get it, how we can walk in it. And so let me just start with this definition, definition of boldness. There are many definitions, but I want to anchor to this one. Boldness is acting on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat. Boldness is acting on an urgent conviction in the face of some threat. There are several components here that you see in this short sentence. You see action, you see urgent, you see conviction, you see risk over there at the end. All those elements are so important. Without action, we shrink back. Without urgency, we wait. Without conviction, we doubt. Without risk, we stay comfortable, we stay right where we are. The Greek word for boldness is actually parahesia. Uh, and parahesia, I don't know Greek, I just know how to look it up. Um, so uh, that's how it goes. Parahesia means uh, outspoken, courageous, confident, to act without fear. Parahesia. Imagine with me, imagine, if you were to parahesia your week. Like, what are you facing this week? You need some parahesia. 
as you get into your week? What would happen if we stepped into boldness? What would happen uh, and what would change? How would we view ourselves differently? How would we view our situation differently? With boldness, what could be possible? And so I want to start with a guy named Peter in the Bible. Some of you know Peter. I want to talk about Peter because when it comes to boldness, I think a lot of us can relate to Peter. Uh, You see, Peter was this guy of bold intentions, timid actions. Bold intentions, but timid actions. Maybe you remember the story, the famous story of uh, Peter saying, um, God, Jesus, I will never disown you. I will never, ever disown you. And Jesus says, you're going to disown me three times, like this tonight. You're going to do that. And guess what happens? He denies him three times. So it's like bold intentions, uh, but timid actions. Over and over, we see Peter that way. And I don't know if you can relate to that, but I can. For example, I am bold in intentions, but timid in actions when I write my to-do list for my day off. Are you like this too? I don't know what it is with me. So I'm, I'm like a realist. Like I really pride myself in being realistic. Uh, but I get to my day off and that list is the most absurd thing you could ever imagine. Like, it's just like this giant list of things that I will never be able to get done. And I would have to have four Jeffs in my life to be able to accomplish the things that I'm doing. But I saw a movie on that once where a guy made a copy of himself and it didn't work out real well. So uh, I didn't want to be that. Uh, but I can find myself bold in intentions, timid in actions. I'm also bold in intentions every time I get on the treadmill. Uh, I don't know if you're this way with working out, uh, but I like get my shoes on. It's like time of day. I'm ready to go. I'm going to crush this. Two minutes in, I hate this. Why, why am I doing this? This is terrible. And then I play this like mental battle for an hour and I'm just like, oh, this is ridiculous. Um, but bold in intentions, timid uh, in actions. And you know what? Sometimes this can also be heard in our relationship with God. That we are bold in intentions, but timid with actions. Sometimes it sounds like this, God, I will always, or God, I will never, and however you fill in that blank. And it becomes bold in intentions, but oftentimes, if you're like me, sometimes I find myself timid in actions. But there's good news around that because something happens in Peter's life, a switch happens in his life, and it comes in the early chapters of Acts, that the guy who struggled with boldness, Peter, uh, he stands up to preach and rebuke the crowd. A guy who struggled with boldness, Peter, commanded a lame guy to walk, and he did. And all this activity around the early chapters of Acts lead him to being arrested and in the middle of a trial. And the picture I want you to have is, is Peter and John in the, in the middle of this trial. And it's not like we have now where there's like, you know, everything's up front and everyone's kind of looking this way. He is encircled by his accusers. And his accusers are just one after another after another asking questions. And they finally land at this question, by what power do you do this? All these miracles, by what power? We want to know. But you and I have to remember who we're talking about, right? We're talking about Peter. We're talking about bold intentions, timid actions, Peter. Like, no one could, like, rewrite that boldness in someone's life, right? Like, Peter certainly couldn't do it. So we know what to expect, right? Check this out. This is what he says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? 
let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man who you crucified, that's boldness, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is no salvation. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. My goodness, I can't overstate how bold that statement is. You see, the spiritual leaders and the rulers of the day, they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus. And Peter points right at him and speaks Jesus. And he says, you killed him and he's back and there's no other name by which you can be saved. At the very least, Peter's words are a death sentence. At most, a declaration of war. But it's interesting to me as I reflected on what Peter said that day, that there was a name 2,000 years ago that caused so much controversy. Whose name was it? Jesus' name. Fast forward 2,000 years, what name causes so much controversy? Jesus. Have you ever find your, found yourself in these discussions? Like, you can talk spiritual all day. You can talk about exploring and journeying and finding some things out and vibing. You can talk about all of that. But as soon as you talk about Jesus, our culture is repulsed by that, threatened by that. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that interesting? I can think back of, of so many times as a disciple of Jesus, as a pastor, where some of these opportunities have come my way. So um, before Christmas, I found myself in the orthodontist office. And uh, I don't know if you're in this season of life, but I'm in a season of life that I could either go backpacking through Europe for a month or pay the orthodontist. Like I could do either one. And so I just dream of Europe and then I find myself in the orthodontist office. So uh, I was there, and it was just before Christmas, and I'm sitting in the chair, and um, I hear over, over the speakers um, Christmas music. But not like, not like Christmas music. I'm talking like Christmas music. Like Christmas music that's singing about Jesus. And I'm like, man, you guys really know how to, how to pick a playlist. Like, that's awesome. They're like, yeah, Christmas music, right? And I'm like, yeah, but... There's like different kinds of Christmas music. And we talked about it. We kind of talked through that a little bit. And it kind of kept building up. And then the doctor came over and we were talking about songs and playlists and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, okay, cool. And then the doctor got up and he started walking away. And you got to keep in mind like this, this orthodontist office, it's, it's, it's wide open. So there's like, there's all kinds of people there. And there's, I don't know, 20, 25 people in the room right there. And the, the doctor just, just right as he got, you know, maybe 10 steps away, he turns around and he says, by the way, if you had to pick our playlist, what kind of music would you play? And I'm like, whoa. Like all eyes came my way. Everyone was listening. Like somebody was in the chair getting worked on with that little hose in the mouth. And they were like, looking at me. And I'm like, and I'm glad I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. Because here's just what came out. I would have songs playing that speak about Jesus all year long. Some of you say amen to that. That was not the reaction I got in the room, uh, I tell you. I got every reaction you could imagine. I got reactions from people who would be like, you know, you could tell, like, man, I've been praying for something like that to be said in this workplace. I've been praying for that. All the way to someone who's like, no, thank you. No, thank you. I don't want songs like that. Just every single one is amazing. Other opportunities, I was a youth pastor for 16 years and uh, I'd get these invitations. Hey, will you come to our school and talk about bullying? But I know you're a pastor and so can you talk about bullying and not talk about Jesus? That would be great. 
wow, because Jesus is controversial. <laughs> or um, I got this invite uh, to come to a, 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 um, a public school, a humanities class, and they said, well, you talk to our juniors and seniors about Christianity. And I'm like, I'm there. Like, what an awesome, will you, will you answer their questions too? I'm there. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah, and by the way, can you do that without talking about Christ? I'm like, his name is in Christianity. Like, I don't even know how I could navigate that. Like, he's at the center of the whole thing. How could I do that? Uh, I've had people come up to me and ask uh, for um, me to perform their wedding. Uh, and to come up, and, and they would say, hey, uh, we'd, we'd love for you to do our ceremony, uh, but here's a few things. We don't want anything about Jesus said in the ceremony. Uh, we don't want any scripture. We don't want any prayers. We don't want any Jesus. We don't want anything. And I look at this invitation, and I'm like, man, the condition and the state of marriages in our world, Jesus is the only chance you got. It's the only chance you got. And they're like, well, maybe you can come up with other verses that really aren't in the Bible. I'm like, no, I don't do that. That's not what, I'm not, I'm not going to fortune cookie this wedding. Like, I'm, that's, that's not what I'm here for. It's not what I live for. I don't give my life for that. No. So controversial, the name of Jesus. It's incredible. And you have these opportunities too. These opportunities, these conversations that come up and you're like, man, I am one comment away. I'm one comment away from speaking Jesus. Will I do it? Will I not? How, how will that work? So controversial. Can I do it? And I just think about this old hymn. I sang it as a kid. This old, this old hymn that goes, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And I'm like, man, I want to speak Jesus. Man, I want to tell people about Jesus. Back to the story of Peter. We see him uh, arrested, questioned. He boldly speaks the name of Jesus. How would the religious leaders respond to that? Acts chapter 4, verse 13 tells us, and I want it to be the anchor of some powerful truths that you and I need to know as we walk in boldness. So how do they respond? Check this out in verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Here's the first truth that we see about boldness, and it's an important one. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. God gives ordinary people extraordinary boldness. Check it out again in verse 13. That they could see, uh, the religious leaders could see, that they, Peter and John, were ordinary men with no special training uh, in the scriptures. The word ordinary there, uh, the word in Greek is actually idiotes. Idiotes. Guess what English word we get from idiotes? Idiot. We get the word idiot from that. Like, I love that. Like, they, saw, they looked at them and they said, these guys are idiots. Uh, that's amazing. And it gives me just such great hope. Like, if you're the best of the best, you're going to do amazing things and you're going to go out there and you're going to rock it. But for anyone that feels less than, for anyone that feels like, I don't know if I have what it takes, for anyone who feels overlooked, God specializes in using you. He specializes in using you. He's been doing it forever. And that's good news, because when it comes to boldness, it's often misunderstood. Sometimes we take boldness and say, oh, that's a personality thing. Like, you have to be a certain personality in order to be bold, and I, I haven't found that at all. How many of you have found that some of the most calm, introverted people step up when some of the most bold people shrink back? Have you seen that? I've seen that. Like, that's incredible. And I think it's a truth that we need to anchor to. 
Uh, and there uh, are these, these moments that we have that are just right there for us, and it doesn't matter what personality uh, you are. Uh, you might come into this message as a quiet person. Uh, you might be in high school. You might be a high school student who has committed to not talking like other students do. Uh, you're not going to date like other students. You're not going to dress like other students. You know what that's called? It's called boldness. It's called boldness. Maybe you're part of a guy's group where the only thing that comes out of every mouth is filth. And I'm not talking about high school anymore, because the older you get, the worse it gets sometimes, depending on the friend group you will run with. But it takes great boldness to be like, I'm not going to do that, or that's too far, or to speak life in those situations. That is boldness. Maybe you're in business, and you have a potential customer that if you landed this deal, it would bring a ridiculous amount of money your way. But because it's sketchy, because it's immoral, because it doesn't line up, because you have, uh, you're, you're, all, you're all on the inside, all turned about it, like, I don't think this is right at all, and you walk away from it, that's boldness. And it's boldness that God pays attention to. For anyone in the room or online that thinks the closest thing to boldness you'll ever experience is wishing that you were or reading about others that are, I have good news for you that God uses ordinary people, the idiotes of the world, with extraordinary boldness. And here's the second truth about boldness that we learn from Acts chapter four. Your boldness will amaze the world. Your boldness will amaze the world. Check out the reaction of the relig religious leaders. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The members of the council were amazed. Uh, they could have killed Peter and John on the spot, but Peter and John didn't care about that. Uh, they didn't say that they agreed with Peter and John and all the things they said about Jesus. The religious leaders didn't say they were going to follow Jesus and be baptized that day and start telling other friends about it. They didn't say any of that. It wasn't that kind of story, but it does say this, is that they were amazed by Peter and John and what they had to share. A couple verses later, they admit that they cannot deny anything that Peter and John were saying. And the story of the last 10 or 11 days in our country, maybe you've been following along, maybe you haven't, but I'll, I'll bring you up to speed. Asbury University had experienced a revival, some things that we really pray for, an inbreaking that we really long for, uh, that a normal chapel service on a normal day ended with uh, someone giving a word of repentance, just like bearing their soul, asking God for forgiveness. And that gathering became more and more and more and more. And you'll hear story after story after story of people who have been there and what they're experiencing. And a lot of it is like, I can't believe the things I experienced, or that was amazing, those sorts of things. But I love what Sarah Baldwin, Sarah Baldwin serves on the development team uh, at Asbury University, and she just started giving an account. And this, this, this is gonna feel a little bit of a shotgun approach of some of the things that they're experiencing at Asbury. But here's the Hughes Chapel uh, where all this is taking place. And uh, you'll see many pictures, people praying, lines out the door, people waiting for four hours to get into the chapel, and you're like, what in the world? And if you're not a person of faith, and if you're not, it's, I, would, I just wanna invite you, invite you to the back row of Hughes Auditorium just to see what's going on. You ready for a little taste of it? This is what Sarah Baldwin said. Wednesday, February 8th at 11 a.m., the Holy Spirit filled Hughes Auditorium, our chapel, and has not let up. Again and again, people are reporting experiencing God like they never have before in their lives. 
early on, thick clouds came and settled around our campus. I will never forget what seemed to be the visible thick presence of Jesus settling in on us. The movement of God was across generations. From 93 years old to two weeks old, they have shown up. College students arriving with backpacks and pillows, wheelchairs and elderly people, um, babies in strollers, in arms, in front packs, uh, children and many teenagers, and of course, at the heart of all of this, Gen Z. So Gen Z would be anyone who's born 1997 or later. And I love this. The Holy Spirit lit the wick of Gen Z, and now people from around the nation and globe are putting their candle into the fire and experiencing the goodness and the grace of our God. Many testimonies, many testimonies of college students being released from anxiety, depression, suicide. Come, Lord Jesus, we need you. Words that people are saying that I'm experiencing the love of God like I never have before. I'm experiencing the joy of Jesus like I never have before. I've never felt Jesus like this. This is what I hear all day long. News of students coming in, constant updates about colleges pulling up at all hours of the night. One bus is coming tonight. Another 50 arrive tomorrow. 100 buses by the end of the week. No lyrics. Can you even imagine that? Except for two hours in our planned morning chapel service, not a lyric has been seen on a screen for over 200 hours. It's just been that simple. Afternoon testimony time. We hear of people testifying to the goodness of God with incredible testimonies of freedom from addiction, healing of a relationship, a word of blessing proclaimed, food arriving unrequested day in and day out for the ministry team, a beautiful table with flowers, scriptures laid out for us, piled high with every kind of healthy snack, homemade baked potato soup, a grandmother's hummingbird cake, which I had a lot of questions on after first service, but somebody cleared it up for me. Uh, I thought there might be bones in there or something, but no, somebody said, no, there's no bones. It's just, yeah. So uh, hummingbird cake, homemade cheese balls, um, vegetable platters, protein bars, uh, protein drinks and fruit. So much food arriving for students unrequested, 50 pizzas at a time, again, again, and again. An anonymous and massive Chick-fil-A, I knew it, Chick-fil-A, I knew it. Man, Holy Spirit plus Chick-fil-A equals revival. Okay, I knew it. Um, a mom uh, made uh, chocolate chip cookies in Indianapolis and then drove them here for everyone. A food truck that just showed up, and the guy says, God just told me to cook for God's people for free, and so here I am. A student uh, who felt called to create a coffee station over the last 10 or 11 days. Uh, she took it on herself because she felt that God was calling her to do it, to make coffee for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people with two Keurigs. Two Keurigs. And when she ran out of cups, she had a simple prayer, Lord, bring me more cups, people need coffee. And what do you know? More cups showed up. Mostly student-led worship, who have led worship, check this out, some of them have led worship from 9 a.m. in the morning till 3 a.m. That is not a typo. 9 a.m. to 3 a.m. every day, without stopping, coordinated by a husband and wife team at Asbury who's, who've been pastoring the student body there. May I pray for you, may I pray for you, may I pray for you. Our prayer team will be saying this all day long and into the night. A healing of a freshman uh, who could not run. His legs just did not work properly. He was in a wheelchair and they prayed for him and he was healed and he is running today because of that. Uh, amazing, amazing. 
what they thought what they thought was a medical emergency while the revival was going on was actually someone who was possessed by a demon. And somebody picked up on that early on and had the whole room praying for this person. And some of you are like, that is so weird. But it was happening and someone was delivered uh, from that demon. It's incredible. Identities being rewritten. People showing up at Asbury University like, man, I'm all messed up in, in who I am and who God is and who he created me to be. And, and they, they show up and they have amazing clarity on that after meeting with ministry team members. And... Um, Babies being saved. I don't cry at anything, but when the things of heaven, man, when you just see it, there were so many accounts of people, unplanned pregnancies showing up at Asbury University where the mom needed to make a decision. And based on the leading of the Holy Spirit, they're keeping their babies. There was a story of an international student, international student who was just sharing like, oh man, I can't find a job. I don't know English that well and no one's taking a chance on me. This is so hard. I got so, I, I got to make ends meet. What's this, what, what is this going to look like? I'm really scared. Some guy in the balcony takes a wad of cash and rubber bands it and throws it on stage. And like everyone starts cheering. And after the cheers, just person after person after person of all ages, little kids, old men coming forward, laying cash on the stage. And some of you might be like, well, where's the accountability in that? There was no time for that. There was no time for any of that. The spirit was falling. It was just like they were just gathering this cash. And the, the kid was like, no more, no more, no more. And they're like, we're bringing more. Watch this. And just filled up the stage. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. A core team that has fully shared leadership across the board. They're making decisions, discerning every step of the way. Asbury volunteers that are on rotation 24 hours a day. At some point last Friday, the crowd started picking up more and more. They needed to figure out about how, how they were going to get 3,000 people on rotation through the chapel. Details of the day are communicated by an ongoing text thread. And so this development office employee says, I just love this. For all my spreadsheets, for all my organizational plans about all the administrative work that needs to be done, this thing's being held together by a text thread. That's amazing. And somewhere early on in this whole revival, people would come up to give an account of what Jesus was doing in their life. And they began a trend that people stopped introducing themselves. Not that their names weren't important, but, but about what God was doing in their life was way more important. And it was just testimony after testimony of what God is doing. She says, we're really tired. Pray for strength. It's really hard to leave even at one in the morning. Even if we have to push each other out, we feel like proud parents as employees as we look on to see what God is doing in our midst. I have felt the prayers of hundreds sustaining and supporting us. So much encouragement and kindness. Thank you. I will remember these days for the rest of my life. It's a gift, and my faith is encouraged, and I thank you. And if that's not incredible enough, social media caught fire of all that was going on at Asbury University. People were driving in from all over the country, flying in from other countries. Local news had been a part of it. And so finally, it got to the point where like mainstream media was going to come in and like camp out. And Asbury University was like, that's actually not what we're looking for at all. They actually turned that away. 
And uh, I thought it was really interesting. One journalist that got took, uh, turned away, so gracious, took to the air that night, and he said, we don't fully understand what's happening at Asbury, and we don't understand it now, but whatever is going on seems ready for this. It seems wonderful. It seems like something we badly need more of. It's a bunch of young people worshiping God and finding meaning and answers in a culture that doesn't offer much of either. They are doing something so right. Listen to this. They are doing something so right that media coverage simply, simply can't enhance it. Simply can't enhance it. Since Asbury's revival started, more revivals have been pop- popping up at Lee University's uh, Samford University, University of the Cumberlands, uh, Cedarville University, and multiple high schools. What an incredible example of ordinary people with extraordinary boldness, a boldness that is amazing the world. They talked to the student body president, and they said, what do you want people to know? She says, I want people to know that it was an ordinary day, and we're just ordinary people. That's all I want people to know. That's good news for you and me. That's good news for you and me as we tackle our week. And here's the last thing I need to land the plane. Spiritual boldness comes from knowing Jesus. Comes from knowing Jesus. That's the point. The send out today is not go be bold and do something amazing. Because you could do something bold and amazing in the wrong direction. But what anchors us back is knowing Jesus. That's the whole thing. He is the whole thing. And you're like, how is that tied in? How is that tied into boldness? Let me show you how this might work in someone's life. Uh, Well, I'll say this. They recognized the spiritual leaders. They recognized them as people who had been with Jesus. They recognized that they rubbed shoulders with Jesus. How might this work in someone's life? Here's what I found. If you want to grow in boldness, time with God, that's what we're talking about. They had been with Jesus. Time with God increases your faith. It increases your faith. Man, I'm believing bigger. And guess what? When you believe bigger, you act bigger. You act on some big things, opportunities that God puts forth in your life, and you see kingdom results. The reverse is also true. If someone were coming here, it's like, man, I'm not seeing God working anyway. I'm not, I, I, I don't see kingdom results. I, I haven't been bold in years. I don't have any faith. I don't believe any big. I bet it comes back to this. Because time with Jesus leads to bolstered faith, leads to boldness and kingdom results. Kingdom results. So this week in the faith experiment, you will be hearing about stories of boldness. But I encourage you, don't just read about stories of boldness. Write stories of boldness in your life. Speak Jesus. Take the wind and the sails that's coming from college students in Wilmore, Kentucky, and say, I can do this. I can do this. I'm going to invite our prayer team up in... uh, I'm going to have them just set up a little differently today with all that's going on. I'm going to have them up front here and also um, on the walls on the side. And I just want you to notice maybe a prayer team around, a prayer team member around you to be able to say, okay, I, I, I know where the closest one is. That's great. And I want to remind you as we close about the boldest act ever recorded in history. The boldest act ever recorded in history was God looking down on you and having a broken relationship with you because of sin. And instead of waiting back, instead of uh, let someone else handle it, God took action on that in a bold way by sending his son Jesus to die on a cross so that you could have a restored relationship with him. The boldest act in history. And if you're here today, if you're sitting here today and you're like, I'm not so sure that I've ever made a decision 
to accept that and to invite that into my life and for that to be my story. Today's a great day. Today's a great day to do that. And so I'm just gonna lead us in a prayer. Will you stand with me and let's pray? And if that's you, if, if today's the day for you, if you're like, man, I'm hearing these stories and I want it to be my story, just say this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. Make me new. I want to live for you. And I would encourage you, if you prayed that prayer, that very simple prayer, here's your job before you leave this room is to tell someone about that. Maybe it's people that you came with. Maybe it's the prayer, prayer team member closest to you. But you gotta tell someone. And there's power in that. So God, I pray for what you're doing in our country right now. And I pray for everyone in this room because what you're doing in our country is not an isolated incident. It is starting to multiply. And even as we hear stories of this, God, of all you're doing in Wilmore, Kentucky, God, our faith is encouraged. And so God, let that drive us to time with you. Let us drive that to, to, to big faith and to stepping into boldness and seeing kingdom results in our world, in our neighborhood, in our lives, in our families, Jesus, we pray. We need more of you. And for anyone in the room that's got a week ahead of them, and I think that's all of us, I wanna invite us to just a time of prayer after the service closes with team members. I have a guy, a friend, a friend of mine who says, uh, whenever someone gives us an opportunity to pray, man, why would I say no to that? Why would I say no to that? So Jesus, we seal this moment. And we thank you for the work you're doing. Help us be a part of it. Move in our lives, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You've got a week ahead of you. Stop with a team member. Have a great week. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.